Hello and welcome to Aerospace Unplugged, a podcast dedicated to giving you a behind-the-scenes look into all things aerospace. Join us today as we explore a partnership that began in the 1980s and how this venture has transformed over the years, allowing Airbus 300 operators to continue to fly toward the future. The partnership between Airbus and Honeywell dates back to Airbus's first wide body, the A300, where Honeywell provided the flight management computer. Now fast forward to today, and Honeywell just helped complete modernization upgrades on the A300 cockpit with the latest flight management system, giving the A300-600 a new lease on life. I'm your host, Adam Kress, and joining me today to discuss this significant milestone is Ed Walton, the Managing Director of Aircraft Engineering for UPS, and Olivier Creu, the A300-A310 Program Manager and Chief Engineer at Airbus. So, Ed, Olivier, let's start out. Can you each tell me just a little bit about yourselves, how long you've been in your respective roles, and how you got your start in the aviation industry? And we can start with Olivier. Hi, everyone. I, I've been in my role uh, in the S300-S310 program a little bit over five years now. I started in the beginning of 2016. Uh, and... Uh, I started at Airbus in 2001, and I've been, I can say I've been lucky to exercise my, pro- my profession in a field that is also a passion. Perfect. Ed, go ahead. Okay, yeah. Hey, I'm a Managing Director at uh, UPS, and I've been with UPS uh, 28 years. Um, my, res- my area is responsible for uh, fleet management, aircraft acquisitions, aircraft materials, MRO activities, as well as all the uh, engineering functions. And uh, I've got a degree in aerospace engineering from the University of Florida. Uh, I was an FAA DER for 20 years. And prior to UPS, I was with, was with Northwest Airlines. And prior to that, uh, Eastern Airlines. Great. What, Ed, was there something as a, as a kid or a young man that, that made you fall in love with aviation? You know, I, 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 uh, my, both my parents were uh, employees of uh, Eastern Airlines, and I remember flying uh, uh, far, as far back as in Lockheed Electra's, <laughs> you know, and wow. uh, so I always enjoyed the commercial aviation uh, industry, and then, of course, uh, watching, uh, watching some of the space uh, launches, especially the space shuttle, uh, that, that made me decide I want to do uh, aerospace engineering. Yeah, very cool, very cool. Hard hard not to fall in love with it when you uh, get exposed at such a young age, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, tra- transitioning to the work that, that Honeywell, UPS, and, and Airbus have been doing together on uh, the A300s, can, can you go into a little detail on how this all came about and what made you start looking for an alternative cockpit to what you had previously? Yeah, yeah, we purchased the A300-600 um, freighter as what we call our medium wide-body freighter. And uh, something that's unique in the freighter industry is that the um, as our markets grow, we actually have to upsize our aircraft as opposed to a passenger industry where you can add additional frequencies. So the A300 was a really nice add to our fleet, but uh, but when we did add it, we we knew it had a pretty ancient flight deck in it, and the day was going to come where we needed to uh, upgrade the flight deck. So uh, that uh, that day had come. We started uh, work with Airbus, uh, also independent STC providers, and uh, really took a, lo- a hard look at what was available out there, and eventually settled on the Honeywell Epic uh, flight deck. Okay. Can, can you talk about some of the specific upgrades in the flight deck that occurred, whether it be displays or, or otherwise? 
Yeah, the, the displays are a piece of it. The key key uh, limitation we had with this airplane, um, w with the A300, with the existing flight deck, is the FMS had almost uh, uh, an embarrassingly, embarrassingly small uh, database capability. And we had we got to the point where we had to split North America into five databases. And uh, so to move the airplane from different regions required a pretty um, lengthy data upload. So we needed to expand the FMS. Uh, we needed to present more data to the pilots. Um, and of course, just addressing the memory then creates a problems with the symbol generators and then the dis displays don't have the capacity to um, to to actually display all this information. So so the key thing was get the database addressed, which we did. We also wanted to um, get a better RNP, required navigational precision. And uh, with this system, we were able to get to the 0.3 nautical miles. Uh, we definitely wanted to improve pilot situational awareness. Um, we definitely wanted to, to get, um, be able to operate in more modern airspace uh, areas where uh, additional uh, approaches and departures, uh, fans type, uh, activity in some of the key airports that we operate in. So uh, quite a bit was done with this upgrade. Uh, and then finally, we added a, a new ACARS, um, added an enhanced ground proximity warning system, uh, new radar, uh, also updated our GPS to the SBAS. So it's a very comprehensive upgrade for us. What would you say were, were your main goals in, in completing this upgrade? Uh, obviously, you want to have have newer and better, but I'm sure from a business perspective, there were some some deeper goals in upgrading the fleet. Yeah, the the, the key uh, the key thing for us was there is no replacement for the A300-600. Um, there's not very many new build freighters being built right now and, and definitely not a smaller wide body. Um, and since we had purchased all these airplanes new, they've been very well taken care of. They're very low cycles. Uh, so we wanted to, um, to get a, a flight deck that would last another 20 years. Uh, we've done advanced flight decks before. We've just completed upgrades on our 757 and nearing completion on our 767. And, uh, and we did also the 727 and the DC-8 um, uh, quite, a, quite some time ago. But the one thing we learned was that the one of the key things you need to do is you don't want to trade one obsolescence problem for another one. And so we were really looking for a uh, an FMS and a flight deck system that had a large uh, installation base in the industry. And um, that's where the Honeywell Epic system with uh, the number of aircraft that's it's already on was very attractive to us. I want to go back real quick to what you said about data and memory. And, you know, for, for a lot of people who might not think about it offhand, of course, you know, this cockpit was created in the in the 70s or 80s and installed then. And w when we think back in our lives to the technology we had available, then it's a far cry from, you know, the iPhones and everything else we're using today. But um, for people who might not be as familiar with aviation, talk about, um, you know, the, the data and the memory that... Um, that we could put to use now in a cockpit that was never available before decades ago. Yeah, I think the key piece there is that the, um, you know, years ago, um, people flew by charts, you know, paper charts, um, mm -hmm. you know, with the more modern FMS systems, um, you're actually uh, having uh, input in uh, actual routes and uh, uh, approaches, departures. The worldwide database of those routes are, um, 
increasing at about 7% per year. So uh, if, if you have an airplane that isn't capable of using those, you're not going to get priority going into uh, certain airports around the world. And uh, that's where it becomes very problematic from a business standpoint. So it's very important to have the ability to store a worldwide database, uh, a growing database um, of um, the, uh, both the uh, FMS and the SIDS and STARS types uh, approaches and departures. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. I wanted to ask you next, and you just touched on it, about how this uh, how this affects your business. It sounds like you'll have access to, to more airports. And I mean, as as the world grows and, and I think the pandemic has accelerated it, just, you know, so much freight and cargo being shipped in every direction of the world all the time. So um, how does this new technology help your business kind of in, in the long run and on the bottom line? Yeah, in the long run, what we were really seeing that it, if we didn't upgrade the A300, we were going to be put at the back of the line. Uh, the the uh, FAA has gone to next gen. They've upgraded their airspace system. And unless you're keeping pace with that, then you have to be special handled. And a company like UPS just cannot uh, tolerate that. Uh, we're very time definite and uh, we needed a modern flight deck to be able to um, operate within the uh, FAA's next-gen uh, system. So I know that th this Primac Epic upgrade is going to take place on about 50 A300s across UPS's fleet, but how important would you say the next-generation avionics are to your operation as a whole beyond the A300s? Well, it's, it's very important. We've already completed upgrades on our 757s and 767s, um, which are similar generation to the A300. So uh, this is very important to be able to operate uh, efficiently in the uh, airspace, uh, the FAA's uh, determined next-gen airspace. Um, the A300, uh, as I said before, is a key piece of our business. It operates about 26% of our um, domestic network, and uh, it's very important that we keep it uh, efficient with a more modern flight deck. Okay. I know as, as UPS and Airbus and Honeywell have, have worked together on this over the past year plus. So what, what features do you think of this flight deck are the pilots most excited about and how will they be helped the most? You know, the, the pilots were uh, intimately involved uh, with this and our fleet management concept here at UPS, the pilots are part of all that. Uh, so there's a lot of input from the, uh, the, the flight operations team in terms of um, what uh, capabilities we need in the aircraft. Uh, of course, they want this database issue solved. Um, the operation wants that solved uh, to give the airplane maximum flexibility. But the pilots really uh, wanted improved situational awareness. And some of the things that they were really um, focusing on uh, were really good um, good enhancements that have been added. Um, the, the display screens that we're uh, adding with this modification uh, just present so much more information. Um, we've integrated the TCAS um, resolution advisories onto the PFD and the NAV displays. Um, they also wanted a better uh, weather radar. So, uh, so they sat down and took a hard look at the existing flight deck and, and we, we basically said what all needs to be upgraded to ensure 20 more years of life and, and that's where we settled on the, uh, the package that we came up with. Right. 
I, I know we talked about um, you know better capabilities with with data and memory and better access to other airports and any other benefits that you you guys see from this upgrade um, you know more from a flight by flight basis or or on a wider business perspective. Well, the, the key thing is we eliminate a lot of the obsolescence issues that are in the uh, the, the current flight deck. Um, that that I would say is number one. But number two, um, we're looking at reduced maintenance cost. Um, we've got more modern LCD type displays. Um, definitely the system architecture of the airplane is uh, simpler. Uh, we now have a uh, central maintenance system, so that's going to make for easier troubleshooting. Um, also, now we don't have this continual database uploads uh, anymore, so uh, that's going to allow for um, uh, more uh, efficient use of ground time. So, all in all, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of enhancements have been uh, added in with this upgrade. You know, like I, I discussed a little bit earlier, um, this partnership between Airbus, Honeywell, and, and UPS. Um, you know, this was this was a major project that took a couple years. Um, you know, to, to fully complete and it's not totally done yet. There's obviously a lot more A300s to upgrade, but can you talk a little bit about just how the, the three companies work together and, and, and how the process went and in the partnership overall? Yeah, yeah, that was uh, really interesting to watch. You know, um, uh, Airbus is typically uh, lined up with other avionics suppliers. I don't believe they've worked much with Honeywell on this level of a flight deck. Uh, approach. So, um, so it was going to be interesting to see um, were they going to insist upon um, requirements that they had with other vendors and enforce Honeywell to no longer be Honeywell. But that wasn't the case. They they really took a hard look at this, and and I think uh, Airbus has learned a lot. I think Airbus has um, uh, got a lot better appreciation for what Honeywell brings to the table, um, and then also. Uh, working with the three teams uh, I, I think um, both Honeywell and, and uh, Airbus probably weren't used to an airline being so active um, I think uh, Olivier jokes that uh, we were trying to be the chief engineers of the project <laughs> um, but um, we um, uh, I think in the end uh, all three parties learned to work with each other very well and we ended up with a, a very good solution um, that meets all of UPS's needs. And, and then when it comes to, to Honeywell in particular and, and the Primus Epic flight deck in particular, obviously that, that was a, a major decision right off the bat to make on, on which flight deck to go with. Can you talk a little bit about the, the, the Honeywell technology that appealed to you and, and why Honeywell was, was the choice? Yeah, yeah, there were, there were a couple other suppliers that were evaluated. They had pretty good, um, pretty good uh, proposals also. But our, our flight operations team really liked um, the, the way the information was displayed, how intuitive it was. The maintenance team uh, liked the, um, the uh, central maintenance computer capability that was being added in here. And the key piece from a business standpoint um, is that the, the Honeywell product is a very it has a very large installed base out there with the Embraer aircraft and some business aircraft and that was another piece we wanted to make sure that this is going to be a product that's going to be supported for some time and we felt very comfortable that um, uh, this is something that Honeywell is going to support and upgrade for many years to come. You know over the past year plus of course we've all in, endured the pandemic the effect on um, 
air travel has, has been severe. Um, when you look at UPS and, and the year ahead as, as we get a little bit deeper into 2021, what, what makes you optimistic ab- about what's to come for, you know, for air travel and, and for freight and cargo um, and your business as a whole? Yeah, first off, um, 2020 was obviously uh, uh, a very uh, except, or exceptional, probably is not the right word, but uh, a tough year for all of us. Um, we at UPS recognize how extremely fortunate we all are to be working for a company that was considered essential. Uh, we have a lot of friends that are out in the passenger airlines and, and know they've really struggled uh, this year and they're anxiously awaiting uh, the return of passengers um, to their business. Um, we had a huge uptick in e-commerce um, and that really stressed our system some. And then then we had a secondary uptick with the fact that so many passenger aircraft were parked on international flights that all that belly freight capacity was gone. So it really challenged us to um, to add international capacity. So we, we, the only way we could do that was to really dive deep into our operational spares. So it was a very challenging year. Fortunately, though, we saw the vaccines roll out um, towards the end of the year. And uh, at this point, I think the the numbers that I saw Monday is we'd moved over 60 million doses so far. Um, I'm optimistic that um, with the pace that we'll be delivering vaccines over the next six weeks uh, in the declining cases, I'm very optimistic that we're going to see a quicker out from this COVID um, crisis than what's being predicted now. So optimistic that um, that the um, world's going to get back to normal. People are going to be able to start traveling again and the airlines are, are going to recover um, hopefully towards the summer of 2021. Yeah, absolutely. So many of us in the in the in the airline and, and wider aerospace industry are so used to traveling so much ourselves and I know have have missed it dearly over the past year, but I'm I'm very glad that that the UPS planes, you know, as full of vaccines as possible, are are dotting the globe and and hoping to uh, to speed up the the recovery as soon as we can. So, thank a lot for your time, Ed. I appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. Olivier, can you talk a little bit about uh, what it entails? Kind of an overview of the project. Okay. Well, from uh, in terms of technical content, huh, from from the Onewell Epic Suit, uh, we should mention a new FMS and its MCDUs uh, with new functions such as uh, LPV, so localizer performance with vertical guidance, RNPAR, required navigation performance, fans, future navigation system. Uh, we should mention as well new interactive displays. So with, for the interaction, uh, they have some uh, cursor control devices to control them. Announce ground, ground proximity warning function, a new communication management function, a weather radar that is the RDR 4000, and a new centralized maintenance computer that is connected to the new system. Now, outside the Epic Suite, we have as well a new integrated standby instrument system and a barrow setting control box. Great. Okay. Lots, lots to uh, to take care of in the upgrade for sure. Now, this was the very first time, right, that an A300 got a new cockpit like this. Absolutely, and uh, I dare say. A retrofit uh, of a cockpit of this magnitude is a first for Airbus as a whole. That's fantastic. So what was the, um, there must have been a lot of excitement around this project within the company. Yeah, it's been excitement for four or five years already. I mean, starting from uh, 2016 as the as the bidding phase and uh, 2017, uh, the year where we uh, 
we learned to work together uh, with 2018, preparing also for the development uh, testing phase. In 2019, uh, we flew. So uh, just imagine uh, getting the flight test ready. And of course, 2020 was the year of certification. So in a, in a nutshell, this project was intense. It was fast paced. Having now reached uh, design certification, we are very impatient to see the beginning of operations at UPS uh-huh. uh, and the embodiment in the rest of the UPS fleet. So yes, excitement is the word. Let's talk a little bit about um, of timing of this. Um, why was the timing right for this particular cockpit upgrade? Why now? Well, then there has been uh, there had been studies about a new cockpit for the S three hundred six hundred for several years, and in fact, uh, we can find some exchanges on that topic already uh, over fifteen years ago. Um, but UPS and Airbus renewed decisive efforts together with Honeywell uh, in twenty sixteen leading to a program start in the beginning of 2017. Uh, so really what got this going this time is the uh, will, if you want, the push of uh, the customer UPS who needed that right now. And UPS will upgrade their complete fleet of 52 aircraft with the new cockpit within the next uh, two years or so. Okay, so from a broader perspective for Airbus, what what does this mean for Airbus as a company and, and the pilots that fly the A300? For the pilot, you know, um, and for UPS in particular, this upgrade is about maintaining and enhancing the flexibility of this fleet of A300-600 to, uh, and quoting UPS here, to go anywhere, anytime. That's how they use the A300-600. Pilots have access to uh, state-of-the-art functions enabling modern operations, such as LPVR fans, Pilots will also enjoy further safety enhancements through, for example, uh, displays, uh, the weather radar, or the ground prox function. For Airbus as a company, this is important for us to answer UPS call. When they asked us for this upgrade, when, as an airline, you buy an Airbus, we at Airbus, we are keen to support the airline in the long run. And this was for us a way to demonstrate that. Perfect. So from a procedural standpoint, um, you know, what did this upgrade look like? I imagine it was, you know, just a huge feat to replace a lot of technology that was born, say, in the 1970s with with a 21st century solution. Must have been complex. Yes, putting new into old, as you said it, uh, was was a good challenge. That's a very good point. Um, So, uh, like I said, for Airbus, uh, a retrofit only. So with no uh, prior experience in line fits. A retrofit of that cockpit upgrade of that magnitude was a first. So we had to apply processes that are typical of uh, line fit development, uh-huh. but this time in pure retrofit, putting uh, the new into old and using also to add an integrated suite that was previously not well known at Airbus. It was the Honeywell Epic suite. So it was a challenge, but you know, working together with Honeywell and UPS, we, we uh-huh. overcame this, this challenge. So Although tough, I dare say this mission was also a great professional pleasure. Mm-hmm. That's great to hear. Now, can, can you speak a little bit about the uh, the certification process, what it takes there, and if there are any big hurdles to cross? Uh, I would say we ha- we have to apply our development processes, uh, whether it is retrofit or, or not. We have to uh, apply our uh, development processes. Now, of course, they are adapted to the nature of this project, a cockpit upgrade in retrofit and to the size uh, of a 52 aircraft. 
Uh, we have involved EASA and FAA early on to keep everyone on board from the start. Maybe worth mentioning is the test plane, the flight test plane. Mm-hmm. Uh, Airbus does not have any 300 flight test aircraft anymore. So we leased one from UPS, from their fleet, for the flight testing. It was another very interesting and a bit complex part of the project. Uh-huh. It helped increase the maturity of the overall solution for UPS because we basically we debugged the software and the hardware from experience gained on the test plane and on the simulator. Okay. With these upgrades now, um, how, how long can we expect A300s to continue flying for? Well, I fully expect these A300-600 to fly for another 20, maybe 25 years. And I'd like to remind that the A300-A310 program is already 50 years old. Wow. So this would be quite an overall lifespan of the program. Mm-hmm. What is there anything in particular about uh, the, the platform, the A300s and the A310s, that make them so so long-standing, so durable? What I understand from uh, from my customers is that those are very flexible aircraft. They they especially UPS utilize these aircraft on a flexible network. They they call it, as I said, the go anytime uh, anywhere aircraft. Um, they, it's robust, it's durable, it's relatively simple to use, and uh, our customers know them very well. So it's becoming an efficient and reliable workhorse for their work. Okay. So what would you say then to other carriers with A300s and A310s looking to upgrade their fleets or their cockpit? Call me. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> we'll find a solution. <laughs> mm-hmm. That sounds great. So the, the, this partnership then... Um, Overall, if you take a step back now that you've come so far in the past four or five years, um, you know, these these three big companies working together, Honeywell, UPS and Airbus, how, how would you describe what the partnership was like? In a nutshell, I would say we, we formed a pretty efficient project team, all three of us. So uh, you can ask UPS and, and your own Honeywell teams to comment about that as well. But for my part, I would say we have a, a overall achieved collaboration. It was tough at the beginning. When Honeywell, Airbus, and UPS uh, had to find uh, the right balance of collaboration, or where we were when we were ex- experiencing some quality issues with some deliveries, so at the beginning Airbus had to learn a lot and quick about mm-hmm. the uh, Epic suite. Honeywell had to learn a lot about the A300, and both companies had to learn about how to work towards the customer satisfaction UPS. Like I said, we found the balance and we made it together. So I would like to take this opportunity, if I can, to sincerely thank the Honeywell team for their crucial contribution to this project. I cannot name them all on this podcast, but uh, let them be honored today for this achievement. Thank you. Thank you so much, Olivia. That's very nice of you. In in talking about the, the Honeywell Primus Epic cockpit in particular, what was it about uh, that cockpit that, that helped you uh, and UPS choose it over others that might have been available? Yes, there was, a, there was a bidding phase and there were other solutions available. So um, I could say that the combination of uh, content perimeter offered by this suite uh, and price, of course, that matters in the bidding phase, um, made it uh, made it through the selection and uh, UPS and Airbus uh, jointly selected uh, Honeywell for that. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time, Olivier. I appreciate it. Uh, since we do call this podcast Aerospace Unplugged, I do have one more question for you, a little off topic, but how do you unplug at the end of the day? What, what do you like for fun or do outside of work? 
<laughs> okay. Well, I can say I spend time with my family. Uh, we like, all, for example, to go outdoors in the uh, Pyrenees mountains that are south of Toulouse, uh, our hometown. Mm-hmm. And I also like to do DIY at home. Oh, that sounds great. Uh, we're, we're, my wife and I are actually in the process, just starting, of redoing our entire kitchen. So <laughs> it's going to be a big project, and I'll, I'll call you in for backup if we need it. We'll <laughs> Don't worry, no problem. <laughs> call me. Okay, very good. All right, Ed, at the end of the day, how do you unplug and relax? Hey, uh, one of the things I'm, I'm very fortunate here in Kentucky is I love to hike. I live near a nature preserve. I love to get away. Uh Ironically, one of the uh, one of the trips I usually make in in March is uh, to head out to Superstition Mountains there near uh, Phoenix and and uh, get to climb up to the Flatirons. So uh, that's that's my way of unplugging is getting back out in nature a little bit and uh, getting a little exercise in. Oh, that that's an excellent hike. Being based out here in Phoenix, I've been to the Superstitions many times and it's it's absolutely beautiful. It'll it'll still be here you know, still be here for you when you're ready to come back out. Yeah, great. Looking forward to that. Well, Olivier and Ed, thank you for joining me for this exciting conversation. And thank you for all the listening to another episode of Aerospace Unplugged. Now, for more information on flight deck upgrades and optimization for your aircraft or your fleet, visit aerospace.honeywell.com and safe travels. 